Hello and welcome to GasCast. And this episode is sponsored by Kahuna Flooring, who supply and fit all types of flooring for your home or workplace. Steve comes to you with a sample selection service and offers deals on supplied and fitted carpets, vinyls, LVT, such as Candide and Amtico, engineered wood, and more. And to keep Steve on his toes, Daryl Clark, who we recently interviewed, occasionally calls to say, go and lay that kahuna flooring, go and lay that. And I'll leave you to fill in how he finishes that call. Get in touch with Steve today on 07917-667-777 and mention GasCast to receive 10% off all orders. So still no football as coronavirus rumbles on, but here at GasCast, we've been busy providing you with content all over the shop. Do check out our interviews with the likes of Jamie Curitan, Nathan Blissett, and Laura Darrell Clark, as well as much, much more. This week, I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Max Alderson and Tom Metcalf, who should be down the line. Lads, are you there? I'm here. Hello. Great. That's, that's a relief when that uh, comes through. So we probably last recorded a main episode about a month or so ago, and we still haven't had any football since then. But the latest reports are that EFL chairman Rick Parry wants a return to competitive action in the first week of June with games played behind closed doors, providing they get the go-ahead from the government. Parry wrote to clubs last week indicating that the season could be concluded in a 56-day window allowing minimal disruption to the 2020-21 campaign. So Max, what's your take on this then? Well, it's it's obvious they want to get back to finishing the season as quickly as possible. Um, I think June is potentially realistic. It would obviously depend on a lot of unknowns um, with how much the virus declines. Um, They reckon we're maybe a week or two off the peak still, um, what we know mid-April. So yeah, you would hope by the start of June, things would be looking better. There would be like a soft return to work for some industries like construction and um, you know, the more um, infrastructure based jobs um, that aren't, you know, key worker jobs that are the only ones being allowed at the minute. Um, and then, you know, if that's being enabled, then footballers to an extent can go to return to work because they have minimal contact with anyone other than the other footballers. So I guess it's realistic. I mean, you have some clubs already in Germany, Bayern Munich are already returning to training um, with distancing from their teammates. So I suppose it is doable, but you have to ask, you know, how essential is it that we finish this season? For me, it is essential. Um, We can't even really be thinking about starting the next season until this one's done. Um, I would personally rather us be absolutely sure that it's safe to return to fixtures before we talk about, you know, setting a definitive date on it. We don't know until we get there. Um, My personal preference would be for us to wait, see how the situation pans out. And when we're absolutely certain that it's safe to do so, then return to training and return to the fixtures, be that July, be that August, be that September if needs be. Um, It will be when it needs to be. Resume the fixtures then and then, you know, start the season late and then you can look at, you know, making next season more congested rather than this one, I guess, and just trying to rush it through at the risk of, um, you know, people not being well or, or spreading risk to other families. That's at least how I see it for the time being. Yeah, and I mean, of course, safety is paramount. Mets in your eyes, are there any alternatives to this, or does this sound like quite a feasible plan? Um, 
Yeah, I think what Max has said about finishing this season, uh, that's the kind of route I'd look at, um, even if it does impact next season. Um, I mean, one thing that has been, I've heard has been floated for next season is maybe just playing one game instead of a home and away fixture, like a cost of a toss of a coin or whatever, and playing just the one fixture, mm. um, which obviously isn't great, but it means you can kind of condense that campaign down and bearing in mind um, next summer is then the um, the World Cup as well. Uh, yeah, it has been moved to next summer, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the Euros that 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 has been Euros, yeah, put maybe. back to twenty twenty one. Um, so being played behind closed doors. I mean, we're going to talk about this later about the financial impacts of all of this. But how would that work? Is it is just an I follow setup? Do you reckon? Yeah, well, UEFA's um, lifted the three pm blackout for TV, so. They're obviously looking at that as a as an option. I think realistically, um, if you haven't, if you can't let people into the ground, which by the signs of it, I mean, just isn't a go where you can't have five, six thousand people at the mem, or hopefully more than that, um, watching a game when half the country's in lockdown, it just it it can't can't be gonna going on. So I think I follow is going to be the one, and then it also kind of. Um, softens the blow for the club in terms of revenue so i mean i think it's a win-win for having the eye follow um i don't know if if the premier league can do that as well um and again the championship but i mean for our division that's that's good enough as good as it's going to get i think yeah i suppose the trouble is max is most people have already shelled out for season tickets so do you reckon people be up in arms if they've then got to pay money for an iFollow subscription? Well, you know, the the infrastructure and the technology is already in place for the iFollow. So you would assume that that's the route they're going to go down. Um, and you'd hope certainly for the home games that if you are a season ticket holder, you would get those for free. Um, the away games have never been a part of obviously the season ticket package. Um, so you probably have to pay for those and obviously non-season ticket holders as well. Um, I don't think many would be, many people would, would be too up in arms about this it's obviously a very unique situation and the vast majority would accept that the club needs their support rather than demanding their money back. Um, you know, a lot of clubs may potentially face administration over this or certainly massive financial problems. Um, we're no exception to that because we rely heavily on match day income and revenue. Um, so you would hope that most would sort of want to help the club out and say, you know, it's fine leave it i'm not interested in getting anything back but some will obviously feel like they've paid for a product and they want that product delivered on um and allowing you know i follow to be free for the um, season ticket holders is certainly one way to do that yeah i mean the financial implications for the club are massive and i mean since we last recorded we had our accounts published and it made pretty stark reading yearly losses of 3.4 million, debts at nearly 25 million. Mets, I know you spoke to football finance expert Kieran Maguire, which was a great chat, which you can listen back to. But what were your main takeaways from your chat with him? Main takeaways um, were, you know, there was some good news in the accounts. Um, revenue is up. Um, so, I mean, that's a good good job from uh, our good friend Tom Gorringe. Um, but expenditures up which has dwarfed that so um the 
the cost cut in that Martin Starnes has mentioned, um, the around about 1.7 million um, should show up in next year's accounts rather than this year's. So for now, it's it's pretty grim reading. Um, it seems like the average or, you know, a, a ballpark loss um, in League One is about half a million pounds, which obviously isn't isn't great. Um, but, you know, to put that, to put us in, in context with the rest of League One, uh, Kieran thinks that we'll be around top eight for uh, projected losses this season. So, you know, we are in our division losing towards the top of the, the table and, of and, money. And that's projected before the coronavirus outbreak. So, I mean, that's with all of that match day revenue. How, how on earth are we going to cope in this period of limited income? Well, um, the club obviously have, have uh, published an article. Uh, it's on the website about how us fans can help. Um, so they've said about buying your season ticket now. Um, we've sold around 600 so far, just over 600, which is, I mean, I think brilliant. Carl Bennett's wages for the year, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I don't even so, think so, it'll cover so that. We'll, so we'll be happy. Yeah, and then there's there's other ways that people can support the club around things like um, buying stuff from the shop. I know Macron had a sale on, the club have had a sale on about free postage, and there's a gift uh, gift card sale on at the minute. And even little things like you know going back and watching old YouTube videos, which I've been doing, like just watching the ads and then like taking one for the in, team. Yeah, interacting with with them on Twitter. It's all kind of micro bits of money, but it all kind of it it all helps. And presumably. We are cutting a lot of costs on, we don't need security for match day. We don't need scouts at the minute, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we're kind of going into survival mode now until we can kind of get back up and running. Yeah, I mean, it, it does still feel like a, a drop in the ocean, really. I mean, it's obviously unprecedented for, for everyone at the moment to try and figure out how best to survive this period. Um, today, in fact, there was a joint statement from the EFL and PFA stating that a working group will be established to discuss issues. So that's good to see that there's been some movement there. I don't know why that wasn't started earlier, though, to, to be honest. Um, and I mean, That was a bit the, of an odd one, actually. I did see that announcement because they said they were going to get six captains uh, from the EFL, from each league, I think it was, and then a PFA representative to go with them. Yeah. But I'd want the PFA doing that rather than... I don't want, you know, no disrespect to Ollie Clark. I'm sure he's a clever kid, but I'd rather have someone who's a negotiator go walk into a room with the EFL, not Ollie Clark with his Bristol Rovers backpack. Yeah, it'd just be going in, let's let's win every tackle today then, lads. Going um, in two foot in Rick Parry getting sent out of the room immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Lose the battle in midfield. Um obviously the, the the main cost for football clubs is player wages which as we all know are astronomical even at league one level so one of the key things that came out of it was about the the payroll issue the EFL recommended that clubs have local discussions with their players in respect of April so just taking it a month at a time Um, a compromise proposal has been agreed between the EFL and the PFA for those clubs engaged in deferral negotiations with their players meaning that up to a maximum of 25% of players' wages for April may be conditionally deferred within the following limits. Players earning less than £2,500 per month will be paid in full, but the 25% deduction must not take any player below £2,500 per month. 
Um, so this is just a recommendation, not a directive. Max, what's your views on that? Um, talking as someone who's taken a pay cut myself for this, um, not through my own choice, I myself was quite aggrieved by the decision um, for, for, for the company to do that. Um, but I understand that it was also necessary for other people to keep their jobs. Um, company I work for took a, a percentage pay cut across the board. Um, so everyone was equal in that respect and people were able to keep their jobs. And while at first I was annoyed, I do understand the collective need to come together and short-term pain for long-term game and, and keeping jobs. And hopefully players in League One and League Two can see the same thing. You know, it's they're on obviously a lot higher wages than the average Joe, um, and taking a twenty five percent reduction may look, you know, on paper for them, you know, a bit like, well, why should I take a pay cut? I'm a footballer. I'm being employed by this, by this employer. But by the same token, they're not playing football at the minute, so it's fair in a way. Um, and hopefully the players can band together locally, like they said, each club is being looked at as an individual case. Um, and Robers will obviously have the talk with, with our players uh, and you'd hope for the good of the club and the future of the club they will all agree that it's the right thing to do um, for the collective good not just for the football club as an existence but there's obviously lots of people at the football club who have jobs and rely on that income for their families as well so yeah I think it's the right thing to do but obviously it's not me on the receiving end of that pay cut so it's difficult to say yeah, because I mean, obviously players are, are getting a decent whack. I mean, most of the first team players be on like a lot more money that we could ever dream of. Um, but obviously, if they've kind of got big mortgages based on those wages, then potentially they they will be aggrieved by it. But what was quite interesting, Mets, you you were telling me um, staff won't be furloughed. Wilder's come out and said that. Is that right? Yeah, well, I'll come out and said, um, yeah, no one's going on furlough. We'll cover wages so um well he, he said it'll cover wages so 100 percent of wages for the non-playing staff which is i mean fantastic when you consider teams like sunderland are putting their first team on furlough so they're going to be getting the maximum two and a half grand a month um you, you know like it's a fantastic kind of uh gesture um i don't know if that means some of them might go on furlough and it'll top them up to the the other 20 percent that the government won't cover i'm not, I'm not sure but Either way, um, I think it's a fantastic, a fantastic gesture. And if if the players um, were to take um, a pay cut to help cover the non-playing staff uh, wages, I think that would be an amazing uh, gesture from them. Um, obviously, they're not um, in any way obligated to do it. Um, they've got a contract. Um, your point, Max, about them not playing football was an interesting one because I straight away thought of someone like um, Andy Carroll hasn't played a lot of football has been taking a lot of wages um should he take a pay cut when he's injured um it's not in his contract obviously he gets paid the full whack same with same with this obviously this is uh, an extreme uh, occurrence and you know everyone's got like you said everyone should band together so it's slightly different but from a legal standpoint they've signed a contract um why should they you know take a pay cut really um like you said they've got their mortgages and all that kind of stuff so i can see it um, hopefully, you know, the PFA, the EFL and the clubs can all kind of come to an, an agreement where it all kind of works out nicely. But I don't know, they can't, 
the EFL and the clubs tend to disagree on a lot, so I'm not expecting a, a decision anytime soon. I mean, can we see us selling some of our big name players during this? Obviously, we're struggling financially anyway, and, and obviously we're going to be struggling even more so now. I, I've read somewhere that the Peterborough chairman valued JCH at around £2 million. Potentially, we try and cash in for him early, but then what's the transfer market going to do in all of this? I mean, Max, what, what do you reckon about that? If we're being realistic, I don't think a lot of clubs are going to be buying this summer, are they? Um, a lot of clubs are going to be in financial difficulties, ourselves included. Uh, we're going to have smaller budgets. Um, there's probably going to be a lot more outgoings than incomings, but it's going to be the same for everyone. So, you know, if clubs are having to take furloughs like, like Sunderland, are Sunderland then going to be able to fork out $2 million for Clark Harris? And indeed, should they be able to do that if they've basically taken money off the government to fund their players' wages. There's a whole debate on that. And is, is it the right thing to do? You know, it's going to be a very, very strange summer. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was a massive reduction in activity in the transfer market. Um, and we don't even know when that transfer window is going to be either. Could this potentially be a good thing then? Because, I mean, I don't think it is sustainable the way Wages League One has has gone so potentially this this bubble could burst you reckon um i'm not sure about burst i think if the demand is there in the premier league um and in the championship for the obviously the tv income then the money will always be there in football and therefore the players will demand the wages um i can't see this being a, a grounding of wages and coming back down to earth and people taking a pay cut off the back of this, um, I just think it will be a very strange 18 months in football where things don't particularly make as much sense as they used to. And you've got a lot of decisions based on the financial stability and the future of clubs. You know, can you really see no disrespect to them clubs like Yeovil and Cheltenham and your new ports of the world going out and spending money after this? Or do you think they'll be just trying to cover their losses and maybe sell a few of their best players to, plug the losses like you said Jack um, but then who's going to be buying them because you know everyone's in the same boat here yeah I mean that is a, a really good point one that I hadn't necessarily thought of actually um, so I suppose away from the finances that there have been some positives it's been great to see how the club have rallied around some of our most vulnerable fans I know the community trust have been doing some great work I spoke to Adam Tutton about some of that as well even Ben Garner, he, he had a video showing his support. And um, the EFL, that they've been tweeting about their heroes and friend of the show, Martin Davis, who um, is a paramedic. He was bigged up by the EFL and even a, a few City um, connections were kind of supported him there. So it just goes to show that kind of, I don't know, I, the, the football, I was going to use the term football family, but then I remembered Kieran Maguire, he poo-pooed that idea of um, the football family as, as being um, nonsense. Um, so I want to chat about Ben Garner and whether this potentially is a, a good thing for him, this break. Because obviously he had such a torrid start to his premiership, both on and off the field. But then we did notch an impressive victory against Sunderland in our last match before suspension. Mets... Do you reckon Ghana would be pleased at the timing of this break or would he have wanted to crack on in like the Sunderland performance? 
No, I think, you know, momentum is obviously a big thing in football and that result lifted absolutely everyone. I think he'll be gutted that that was our last game and we had to stop there. Um, I mean, it's even worse because, uh, like he says, he hasn't been able to get time with the players on the grass. So, you know, it's a, it's just stop dead everything that he's been he's been working on. And I know Rod has spoke to uh, uh, Utilita, Utilita, the uh, the sponsor, Um about some some of his issues but one of the things that came out of that was he was saying it felt like in the Sunderland game some of the things that Garner was trying to put for, forward on the training pitch had started to click on the pitch which I know he'd mentioned himself um, that was interesting um, and it was especially because Garner had the previous couple of games in his post matches had started to say you know I've been working with the lads on the pitch and it's just not going on to a match day it's kind of working on the training ground and then we're not doing it on a match day so it felt like that kind of barrier had been over overcome so at that point you just want to you just want the games to come you don't want to stop for any reason yeah I, I, I suppose that is a really good point but is there something in it being a fresh start I mean even the, even though the Sunderland game was impressive I mean that was the exception to the rule really we we kind of went on this horrible losing streak so Max do you reckon it could be what we needed and, and especially with Garner is off the field issues he looked pretty tired and, and jaded and understandably could, could this just be a fresh start that he needed you reckon I think there's there's arguments for and against it I agree with what Matt said that the momentum is such an important thing in football and it did look like we turned a corner um but by the same token, yeah, maybe we did need a bit of time to gather ourselves. Um, I know they had another week on the training pitch after that game, a week or two. Games were suspended, but they were still training for a little while before the lockdown. Um, this will also give Garner time to reflect on his performances, I guess, look back on them, rewatch them, analyse what this team's doing wrong, uh, what he can implement, uh, more time to scout players um, for the summer. So there's lots of pros to it. Um, but again, there's cons to it because, you know, we want to be playing football and getting results. And if I'm brutally honest, get the season over and done with. Yeah. And of course, we, we don't know when that, that season is going to finish as as we spoke about. Um, Mets, can you see this kind of change in um, how Ghana approaches the transfer market? Well, however that looks. Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, it definitely will mean he's not going to have any money to spend. I think that's a certainty. Um, and actually, I think he might have to trim the squad a bit to, you know, kind of cut a cloth. Um, when Max was saying earlier about it's, it's certainly going to be a not a seller's market, it's going to be a buyer's market uh, in the summer. Because one of the things also is even when we do come back, eventually there are going to be people who have gone this long without football and just think, oh, I found something better to do or are of a an age that they don't want to risk coming back or maybe they've lost their job, unfortunately, and can't come back. So we don't know what the the crowds are going to be when we come back. I think it could be a bit of a shock uh, to the system. So I think it could be more loans. Um, it could be more youth players, which, I mean, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't be against um, seeing more of the youth players we've got. Um, as, as, you know, there are a lot of players out of contract in the summer. So it might be a case that once they go, we have to replace them with cheap loans or youth um, and, you know, just see how we go, really. I mean, he is he is here 
to develop youth players. That's one of his big selling points. So hopefully it kind of plays to his strengths a little bit. Yeah, and I, I, I suppose with Ghana um, really changing the way we play quite dramatically, I think we could all see that we needed some new personnel for the style of football he's playing. Max, would you worry a bit if he's trying to change the way we play and he's not able to bring in new people? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think everyone knows that we need two or three central midfielders to play the style of football that Ghana wants to play, the high tempo and the controlling of possession. Uh, We aren't going to be able to do that with the squad we've got and it does need changing up. Um, If there's no money to do that, then like you said, we're going to be relying on loans in the youth system in areas that maybe we need experience, um, which is going to be a struggle. But I think the only solace I can draw from that is that a lot of clubs are going to be in a very similar situation and we're going to have to sort of be the ones who adapt best to these circumstances. There's a, Actually, I want to jump in there. There's a, a slight solace, which is pretty horrible to think of, that we could see another bury or two. And then that means, you know, we'll avoid relegation by default because maybe only two will go down. <laughs> no, that's, that's absolutely savage. It's vile, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> how, how about the, the rest of the 91 just go to the wall and then we'll just be default champions? Yeah, we'll walk it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but though, as your chat with Kieran Maguire suggested, we, we definitely won't be one of those clubs that survive. Yeah. Um, on, on the subject of lack of money, a perfect segue here. Um, I wanted to plug our Patreon. So if you enjoy our content, have you considered signing up as a patron? For the price of a pint of a month, you could help support Gascast to grow and help us to cover our costs. As well as this, you get exclusive Patreon perks, such as early access to our shows and exclusive access to our new series, Gas Cast Extra Time. And a big thank you to everyone who has signed up recently. Your support is greatly appreciated. To sign up, visit patreon.com forward slash gascast. So on to our next topic. Um, I want to talk about the supporters club. I know we've um, had an episode on this, namely about Ken Masters' resignation. Uh, since that episode went out, Ken was interviewed by Jeff Twentyman. To be honest, it didn't really uncover much apart from how much Ken loves the club. Um, but then since then, the Sports Club, it's all a bit embarrassing. The Sports Club reported Dwayne Sports to the EFL over the running of the club, which was swiftly dismissed max what, what's your take on this saga well like you said it's all just a bit embarrassing really um the fact that the efl dismissed it so quickly some will say well the efl aren't fit and proper anyway because of the owners they've sort of approved in the past but you know i think if there is a case and they had a case to be made they the efl would have looked at it and at least not dismissed it so quickly um, and furthermore i think if there was a serious case for this um, now that the EFL have dismissed it, the supporters club, in truth, should come out and say what their gripe is because they can't just say that they think that the Alcardis aren't right for the club. They should say why. And, you know, we as the supporters who ultimately the supporters club represent should come out publicly and say what that is because we have a right to know. Um, either there is something that we should know or there isn't. Um, you know, the fact that they're not declaring it publicly and now coming out and saying, what these issues are says to me that there really isn't that much of a case. 
Yeah, so Mets, this has brought up a fresh debate around the legitimacy and effectiveness of the supporters club as a fan's voice. Uh, we had Gary Marks come on to the Ken Masters episode and he spoke about a time in the early 2000s when they tried to set up an alternative, more, more like a fan's trust. Um, but there have been new calls to start a new fan's body. Mets, can you see this realistically happening? Um Yes, I can see it happening because um, I think a lot of people are frustrated with the the supporters club. I think um, Master Ken, I should say, um, not being invited to a board meeting for over a year and then deciding to resign instead of resigning straight away kind of brings up its own questions around what on earth were you doing for that year? Um, and then the supporters club and the president's club both come out with kind of statements. I, I mean, quite uh, badly worded to be polite statements um, basically slagging off the club in public uh, defending St. Ken um, you know I'm not trying to take any sides with this just looking as an outsider it was pathetic really made me angry I just thought you're airing all your dirty linen in public it, it was just horrible um, and also the, I mean if you're a member of the sports club and you're paying your £10 a year I mean what must you think like that's your money going towards just silliness my, my concern is that if this has been going on for a year plus why is this the first we're hearing about it now yeah have the supporters club just been afraid to speak out of the, the fact that they might lose a few of their privileges and match their access to certain areas of the ground is it is well this is the argument it? this is the argument that the supporters club is an old boys club of and you know ken was quite happy to have his um seat in the in box one and didn't want to give that up, and that's why he's only just resigned. You know, that's the allegation. Um, you know, and then on the other side, you think if um, if the board, which is currently um, Starnes and um, I think it's just Starnes and Wile now, yeah, um, if they, you know, were giving Ken the cold shoulder, or like kind of uh, crowbar and him out, you know, without any explanation, there needs to be. A, a consequence for that because the supporters club still own seven or eight percent of the club and have bailed the club out in the past when it's kind of on its knees um and b they need to kind of quite swiftly get some fan representation on back on the board um and why this is because the whole thing centers around that um the board have said or the owners have said ken can't be the fans representative anymore with no explanation, which is fine. Uh, well, it's not really fine. There should be an explanation for that. But then, you know, the supporters club haven't come out as well. They haven't had the information to be able to say, oh, you know, Ken's been banned for this, so we can repost or reply. Sorry. Um, that's the kind of crux of it. So the, the, the supporters club are aggrieved and have basically lashed out. And I think it does look, I mean, when you start flowing, uh, throwing uh, mud around, everyone just gets covered in mud, don't they? And mud is code for something else. Yeah, no, nicely put. Politically correct, that. Mets. Um, <laughs> Unlike you, Mets. No, no, well, this is. Uh, I'll leave the swearing to Jack nowadays. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't swore for a while, to be fair. Um, but I mean, this saga is enough to, to make you swear. I mean, are, are we particularly surprised, though, Max? I mean, all my years of being a fan, I've only ever seen the supporters club as a kind of vehicle, pun the pun, for away match travel and 
selling 50-50 tickets. I mean, I mean, it's all great work and the vast majority of his volunteers and most people in the sports club are, are really nice people, but do we really expect them to be good communicators and, and hold the board to account given the kind of experiences we've had with them? Well, I think the supports club, like you say, it's got some fantastic people in there and it's a really good community-based project and they've done some fantastic work. Like you say, the 50-50 tickets and the away travel. Um, but I think it's just failed to modernize over the past two decades. Um, I think it's still very stuck in the 90s, noughties um, sort of era and it just hasn't really moved with the times. Um, there's a reason there's not a lot of young people in the supporters club anymore beyond like the young pirates. It's, it's just had its time, I think, and it can be rejuvenated with the right input, but also I think maybe, like you said, they haven't been holding the board to account maybe because that's what's happened at the top of the supporters club rather than the many, many volunteers throughout it. Um, have they really ever held the board to account like Higgs? Did they ever? Did they come well, out no, and say anything when we took the Wonga loan on board? <laughs> they didn't come out and say anything then. That's for obvious bingo that Mets Wonga loan. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> they actually did the opposite. They supported the club during that time. Um, I remember non-league when we went away to Macclesfield. They had the orange tops. Uh, someone on Twitter reminds me they had the orange tops with the I, Sainsburys. I, I, I want to buy one of those yeah. if anyone's selling. By the way, so oh, they, they were fully him now. Yeah, that was on telly as well. <laughs> oh. God's sake. They were, they were fully behind it. And as most of us were, we were behind the court case. But at the time, we didn't know that the club were basically gambling our existence on this court case. You know, the watertight the contract. <laughs> but the amount of the interest on the loan we took out was just ridiculous. And you know, we sort of have to be thankful that the Alcardis came in and bailed that out because I, I really doubt it seemed to be, at least from what I could tell, that Higgs definitely wasn't capable of bailing us out of the hole he dug us in. Do you and think again, there's again the supporters a, club did very little to to raise any awareness or problems with that? This is a question for the pair of you actually. Do you think the supporters club have got not not like a vendetta but a bit of a grudge against the Alcardis? Because I remember Chapel coming out, um, Jim Chapel um, after promotion, the Lee Browner one, and he came out and he was very aggrieved that there wasn't a uh, an open top bus tour but while got carried down the Gloucester road for the for the drinkers i remember him specifically saying that do we think that the sports club aren't aren't all that happy with our arcades compared to previous boards yeah definitely i mean we definitely. can see with this saga that they act very childishly even in official statements where you can kind of get emotion out of it and get some facts and professionalism down it just seems like their their noses have been put out of joint. Um, and I think it's quite telling that Jim Chappell would come out and say something that is his own personal view, that we should have an um, open-top bus tour. I mean, many others may have shared that view, but that was just him sounding it out and kind of throwing his toys out the pram. But when have you ever heard them come out and really get across fans concerns you, you haven't it's, it's only when it comes down to an individual gripe really and it's just just, just all petty um so i'd imagine that um their relationship with nick higgs was quite good even though obviously you can say what you like about nick higgs but we were in a, a terrible 
state um, and obviously only got a look at previous boards as well and and as you mentioned did did they come out and speak on behalf of the fans fans concerns i don't think they they did so it's it's, it's quite um hypocritical that for one um owner that they don't come out but another one they is so yeah i think it's just an emotional thing they they've had their noses put out of joint and then they throw their toys out of the pram yeah because if they'd come out if they i'd have a lot more respect for them if they'd come out um because this Masters was owned essentially um, over the accounts and the fact that it was we're an ongoing a going concern um, basically mean we're technically insolvent but was pumping the money in so we're okay, uh, which is the same for about 80% of clubs. So it's no kind of big deal on that. But you'd like to think, I'd have a lot more respect for the SC if they'd come out and said, you know, we are making a stand now because the debts are going up. Yeah. The, you know, we're losing way too much money. We're, we've tried to you know, raise this at board level and we've been kicked back. We need to do something, not having little kind of digs in quite unprofessional statements. Yeah, it didn't seem like they were doing it out of principle, did it? It, it only came out when Ken was kicked off the board and yeah, they, they were feeling aggrieved by that. Surely you could come out and do that early. I mean, Ken mentioned like last year's accounts being like not, great as well but again we didn't hear any communication from that at all i mean this this leads us on quite nicely talking about the alcardi ownership um obviously we've released that fantastic interview daryl clark um one of the the notable things that came out for me is is harley's question about the ownership um and 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 whether the club can move forward with it and and Daryl unequivocally said that the club will stagnate under the Alcardi's ownership. I mean, Max, what's your views on that? Well, I think he didn't really say anything that we don't already know. Um, And that's, you know, that while obviously has the best interests of the club at heart, but um, every time he spoke about his relationship with the owner, he seemed to say, I only met the owner once or twice, and he was referring to Hani Alcardi. Um, and we've always, we've always known that Wiles only owns a part of the the club, and the other fa- rest of the family maybe aren't in, as interested. And that has been maybe a big gripe that a lot of fans have had with the Alcardis, um, and maybe Daryl too. Um, we just don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, and I, I tend to agree. I, I don't think that you know. I think Wiles is a great guy. I really like him. I think he's got. The best interest of the club at heart, but I don't think he has neither the 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 money or the or the majority. You know, everyone's got to be. Daryl kept saying everyone's got to be pulling. You know, in the same direction, and it doesn't feel like the Alcardi family are. I know they've had a lot of problems. Um, they've had a lot of issues with where they want to take the club. They've had a lot of issues with the UE Stadium and that sort of collapsing in and maybe in an alternative universe things would have gone right and we would maybe have moved forward into a new stadium at the UE and all of the Alcardis would have been happy and moving forward in the same direction but it certainly seems like that's not the case now um obviously they've tragically lost their father quite recently um I just don't think that we're going to go anywhere with them if I'm honest um as much as I like them and I'm always be thankful for for them for sort of 
digging us out of a hole and plugging our losses. Um, I just, I just don't see, I just don't see them taking us forward because frankly, the club needs 20, 30, 40 million pumped into it to build something. If it's ever going to make a decent profit and be sustainable. He's always preached about sustainability, but it just doesn't, I'm, as the great work that Tom Gorringe does, the infrastructure isn't going to improve based on, you know, getting some new pasties in and electronic turnstiles as good as that is. And as great as it is to see that on a match day, we're not going to move forward until we build something big, you know? Yes. I mean, Mets, when Wild does come out and say that we are still committed to the club and committed to get a new stadium, committed to training ground, do you believe him? Um, Does he feel you confidence? No, absolutely not. But I believe Wild, um, like, as far as a him as a person he's a really nice bloke and I genuinely feel like he really wants the best for Bristol Rovers I just don't feel he's got the yeah like Max has said the financial clout to do everything that he wants um I mean the training ground still growing weeds I mean we're no further on the stadium all the rumors about the fruit market and all that have kind of obviously died down right now so it just feels like we are in a rut um and like Max has said the infrastructure at the MEM just isn't isn't there. We're not going to get enough of the conference in and all this, all the non-match day stuff, the boring stuff that we need to be able to push on and be a, a force in League One. It's just not going to happen at the MEM. So, yeah, despondent. Yeah, I, th- I think what annoys me is, is that the rhetoric is often pretty good, um, but we, we don't really see proof in the pudding do we there's, there's not seemingly much action so it kind of just feels like you're being slightly lied to slightly patronized that they're kind of selling this 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 pipe dream but as as kind of dara clark has given us insights to it's it's unlikely to happen so i'd kind of prefer them to come out and say actually we probably are going to struggle to get a stadium for a while because of x y and z this is where we're at, but let's just kind of cut our cloth accordingly and then crack on with it, as opposed to kind of pretending that we're going to be getting this new stadium soon and things are still rosy. Yeah, the, the, for me, the training ground is like the canary down the mine. It always has been. Um, I thought if we'd you know, got spades in the ground and started going for it, I, do you know what? It filled me with a lot more confidence for everything else. But as it was, we got plans for copying Fleetwood's nine million pound training ground then that was downgraded to like you know three or four pitches and a, and a clubhouse and now it's just growing you know we've got a fence and that's it so that to me is which we apparently didn't pay for <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know that that just typifies uh for me what pretty much you know we ain't trying to dunk, dump on them too much the kind of the Alcardi rain you know promises are up here delivery is way down here yeah and i mean being a rose fan you don't expect the world do you but like with anything in life if if someone kind of says quite passionately that they're going to do something you can can believe them the the first time and then if they say it again and nothing really happens and the belief just goes down and down so i just kind of feel like just some openness so we can kind of know where we're at and and actually own that um 
on a more rosy subject, I mean, obviously we we go to football for the like the match day experience, meeting up with our mates, having a pint of cider, and having a pie, and and the rest of it. So when we do return to the mem at, at some point, what are we most looking forward to, Max? Oh, big question. I miss all of it, to be honest. I miss um, I miss my mates. I miss having pints. Uh, I miss the limbs when we score on the rare occasion that we do score. Miss giving uh, the R as well. You, you, you're probably yeah. one R giver. I'm a prominent R giver on occasion. I've been, I've been, I've been told. Um, so yeah, I do miss the chanting and the singing. I just miss, I just miss my football and even, even stupid stuff like watching it on TV, like you know, on on the old Sky, just like casually on a Sunday. I miss that as well. Um, but Rovers specifically, obviously, we've got a massive bond with it as supporters and. Just miss seeing you know the, the teams walk out and play play the game um, as, as averagely average to poor as we've been at home this season. You know you do miss the anticipation of going to the ground, walking in, getting a pint, catching up with a mate, having a good old moan. Um, what do I miss most? Just my mates and having a laugh. To be honest, I'm going stir crazy in here. If I'm honest, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think anticipation, um, my ears pricked up when you said that. I think that's always been my favourite bit. You kind of, two pints down, you stroll into the stadium, and you think, okay, this could be our day today. We could really turn up here, 5-0 victory, and then you get in the stadium, within five minutes we go 1-0 down. Um, Mets, <laughs> kind of concur with what Max has said there? Um Anticipation, actually, my ears pricked up as well because I normally get it when I first get up, when I'm deciding which shirt I'm going to wear because um, I was trying to re- wear a Rover shirt. Um, and, you know, normally my um, belief that we're going to win is gone by two o'clock when I've seen the lineup <laughs> and I'm like, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, that, that's always a, gr- a, a great moment in the pub when someone's like, oh, the lineup's out. And everyone yeah. like huddles round and then there's just audible groans from everyone. Yeah, trying to figure out what the hell was going on with the formation. Um, trying to sneak in a, a quick pint at half two, which is never a good idea. Getting to my seat late, annoying everyone in my row, which this season I hugely apologise to all of them because I've been late almost every game uh, between five and ten minutes. Um, yeah, and then just kind of sitting down, watching whatever kind of awful performance we're putting in this season and then going to the pub and moaning about it, you know. I sound quite negative here, but I really enjoy all of that. And if we've won, then talking about how bloody great we are and now we're going to win every game from the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I, I concur with all of that, Mets. Um, and we've got the the two pinters to look forward to. I, I believe it was just the trial, was it? Or, or has the two pinters come in for the... I think that's a full-time... I mean, we need it. That could be a, a good little um, money spinner. I tried it out at the, the Sunderland game. And yeah, half time is not the not the best time to do it unless you can really sink your pints. Um, so we've ended on like a slightly positive note here, lads. Yeah, you've um, made me really want a pint. I mean, this weather. Imagine if we had football now. Look at this. This is absolutely oh, amazing. Sat, stood yeah, outside I, the Blackthorn Bar with the or the Thatcher's Bar to give it the sponsor's name, and then with a two pint there. I mean, trying to drink it quick because it's going to go warm really soon. I mean, just oh bliss. I mean, that's you imagine if thing. you imagine if the football resumes and we're allowed back, and it's like a, a run of games between June and August in the glorious sunshine. Oh, that yeah, would literally be, be the dream. 
t shirt and shorts weather. I mean, yeah, it's nothing better really in in my opinion. Um but yeah, fingers crossed we can get back talking about football. I don't really want to chat about a sports club or how <laughs> cardies anymore. I just want to chat about what happens on a Saturday afternoon. So that wraps up another episode of Gascast. That was a, a more conventional one. But yeah, we've been coming thick and fast with our interviews uh thanks to <laughs> Mets and max for joining me uh do keep your eyes peeled we have got plenty more gas cast content being released plenty more big name interviews so all that leaves me to say is stay safe everyone and up the gas up the gas up the gas wash your hands